Welcome to the Storyform Podcast, where we journey together at the intersection of faith and story. I'm your host, Will Chenault, Soul Care Pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, Tennessee. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Let's get this conversation started. Well, we welcome you, our listeners, to the Story Forum podcast. I'm your host, Will Chenault, and I am here with Tori Wilkerson. Tori, we've gotten several of these under our belt now. How's it feeling? Um, it feels like we keep choosing topics that I need help in. Hmm. Thanks, Will. <laughs> we did talk the last podcast about our live intervention with you, and that's still in the hopper. We're going to work on that. The live intervention. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, what a minute. See, you could live intervene every know, week and I forget I what a, we're doing. A joke, Tori. I'm so, I was already ready to be serious. I didn't know I got to be funny today. Uh, you do. You do. This is, uh, this is part of it. So, so now I've started doing lives on my Facebook because I, I like this podcast thing. This yes. is fun. I just I like talking at people and they don't need to stop back. You're going <laughs> to just be a... Global sensation soon. Um, okay. I'm feeling it coming. We have a great guest, a friend, a colleague, Dr. Pepper Pratt. Uh, Pepper, welcome to the podcast. Well, hello. Uh, Pepper's been on several times, and it's always great to have him on and have his voice and uh, certain topics. And I'm really excited about this topic, Pepper, today. Um, we brought you on the podcast to talk about raising sons. And um, I think this is something that you've had a lot of experience in as you've raised uh, two adult sons who uh, now are thriving and flourishing. And you're uh, not only a parent, but a grandparent. And so you have um, worked through that uh, phase of life. And so I'm really excited to hear about uh, this topic. So let's just start, Pepper, when I ask you to come on and speak about this topic of raising sons. What what kind of initially hit you or what first, uh, how did you first hear or process that one about this particular topic? Well, uh, you know, there are so many people that would say, oh gosh, you know, I'd, I would never go back and do all that again. I mean, we've had, you know, eight eight plus years now of real true empty nest. And, uh, I, I would go back and do it again in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just something that was, if I didn't do anything else, I wanted, I wanted to, to, to work and provide and make a living and be a dad and be a husband. And, uh, that's something that's been the passion of my life. And I'd go back and start all over again if I could. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's another reason that I wanted you to come on is that, um, You've had a great experience doing that and a lot of fun, and you still have a great connected relationship with your sons. And so just as we dive into this topic today, Pepper, if we were to give just an overarching vision of masculinity, when you were raising your sons, did, did you have this idea of um, where you wanted them to end up as men? What were the things that influenced you and your vision? Well, I think one of the things that influenced me the most is I knew nothing about that. You know, when when we started, you know, even thinking about having kids, and uh, my dad died when I was nine, and you know, I had a it's all kind of a part of my story, but I had you know, a, a pretty rough stepdad uh, life in the second half of childhood, and I knew a lot of things that I didn't want to be as a dad, and I didn't want you know for my sons. 
so I really just kind of got pretty obsessed with reading everything I get my hands on and, uh, and learning as much as I could from other men who had sons. And, and I, I really kind of felt like I was starting from scratch and just kind of formulating what, you know, if, if I'm going to begin with the end in mind, what, what do I want that to even look like? And, and what, what, what would be the part of the transformation process that would need to take place to get from point A to point B? Mm-hmm. So through that journey, what would you say would be some, some principles, some categories, some understanding of that vision of masculinity as you went on that journey, you, you didn't know. And so you began to talk to other men. What were some things that were formed during that time? A picture. Well, I think one of the things that I, that I learned is that manhood is bestowed. It's not just something you sit down and, you know, have a lesson on. And, and even though I, I think that, uh, there were, there were times that I, I, I told the boys, I said, okay, it's, it's time for a Jedi lesson here. You, mm-hmm. you would appreciate the Jedi oh, yeah, reference, absolutely. but, uh, but our Jedi lessons were things like, you know, tasks, like changing a tire and changing the oil and that kind of thing. But I, that's not, I mean, those are important, but that's not, that's not where they get manhood. They get manhood from the essence of their dad and, and the time that they spend with their dad and, and being able to, to really have a, a vision for dad is somebody that's available to me, but he also has some strength that I, I want to emulate in some kind of way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's really important when you think about masculinity as something that is more caught than taught. It's more bestowed. Uh, it's given in that way. And um, we, we live in a society and a culture that doesn't really have a lot of uh, milestones for, okay, well, what does it mean for me to now be a man? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a real challenge. So as you walk through life with your boys, was it were anything that comes to mind of specific uh, times and moments of, okay, now you're, this is a transition from boyhood into manhood. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's those milestone moments. There's those teachable moments. I think when boys, you know, kind of move into being a school age, going from being a toddler to being school age, there's, that's kind of a big deal. And uh, I think when kids go from, you know, elementary to middle school, from, you know, kind of puberty age into high school age, when they get driver's licenses and that kind of thing. One of the, one of the books that I read, oddly enough, and I wasn't attending a fellowship Bible church at the time, but Robert Lewis is raising a modern day night. Uh, makes a lot of uh, kind of rituals and, and rites of passage and and being able to to celebrate uh, those rites of passage. Uh, one thing that I, I did that's there's a few few things I was kind of I, I knew when I did it it was going to be a, a, a really big moment. But when my oldest son turned 16, uh, one of the things that uh, I really wanted to do is kind of make that a big deal. So um, I had uh, several other guys that were in his life, and this is just a a wonderful thing that I learned along the way too is other men can influence and bestow masculinity in my son's lives uh, other than me. So like coaches, teachers, you know, mentors, I mean, there are other people that can do that besides me. But uh, on his 16th birthday, um, I told him that we would have a, uh, a birthday party. He He wanted to invite some of his friends. They could meet at a restaurant. We met at this restaurant and told him we would go back out to the house for cake and ice cream afterwards. And uh, he, he was not thinking that he was going to get a car, okay, and that was not really on his radar. But little did he know, we had gotten him a, a used vehicle for uh, his 16th birthday. And uh, when uh, the time came for the birthday party, we, uh, he, d- he also didn't know that I'd rented a limo 
And uh, we were waiting on the limo to come. We were waiting at the restaurant and they had finished eating earlier. And I, I finally had to say, look, I, dude, I, you got to wait. I've hired a clown for your birthday. He's coming. Okay. And uh, so it wasn't the clown, but it was, I said, just look for the big white vehicle that he's coming up in. And, and, and then the limo came. So the limo took, uh, took all of his friends and, uh, and, and my younger son, uh, the, I'd given the limo, the driver, the itinerary of where they go, but it was kind of scavenger hunt style. And, uh, it took them to four different stops of different men. So his head of school at, at, at the school that he attended, his soccer coach, one of the, uh, one of his best friends, dad, uh, his youth pastor, they were all people that were stops along the way. And uh, they just, they kind of spoke words of life over him and prayed over him and, and said you know, things to him that were, you know, encouraging and building him up in front of his friends, but also challenged him in all of those different places. And then uh, when they, when he got home, um, there was a, our youth pastor had a, had an old beat up truck that was, I mean, I mean, worse than a piece of junk. Okay. And we had it sitting in our front yard. That was the last piece of the scavenger hunt. And it said, happy birthday, Jordan. There was a sign on the side of it. And I said, go sit in it. And on the, in the steering wheel, there was the last piece of the scavenger hunt that told him to go and look down, down the hill. Uh, Tori knows the, yes. the hill on our street. And down at the bottom of the hill was his, uh, his little SUV that had a big mm-hmm. ribbon on the top of it. Wow. So that was a, a rite of passage kind of thing mm-hmm. that uh, it, was such a, it was such a blessing for me to be able to share that with, with other men who were important to him. But it's something he'll remember the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this idea of community in your son's life. And when you were speaking earlier, I think you kind of alluded to the community that you surrounded yourself in. Like, did you have other men who you looked up to as dads who y'all were, I know for me, it's just a group of moms. And we're like, how would you do this? What are you doing? They're women I respect, not necessarily women parenting perfectly, but they're moms who want to do this well. So your son had those men. Did you have those men too? Absolutely. And I still do. I mean, I, I feel like there, there, there's such a, I think we all need a, we need a, a mentor, we need a soulmate, and we need a learner. So we need a mentor, somebody that's further down the road than we are. That, and, I, and the one that I'm thinking of in particular is, you know, his, his kids were always kind of at the next stage of life. So when my kids were in middle school, his kids were in high school. When my kids were in you know, high school, his was in college. When mine were in college, his were getting married. And, you know, he had grandkids before I did. So, I'd, you know, I spent a lot of intense time with him at one point in time. But then as years go by, you spend a little less time. But I still paid attention, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then I had a soulmate, you know, somebody uh, not in a romantic kind of way, but somebody that's at the same place in life as me and, uh, he had seven kids and, um, you know, our, his, his oldest and my youngest were the same age. So we spent a lot of time on soccer trips together and, um, just kind of comparing notes and our lives just intersected. And then I think it's also important to have people that are looking to you at being a little further down the road than where you are, Absolutely. That, you know, you, you can learn as much from them as they can learn from you. It's interesting having that retrospective relationship. I have friends like that now, and I'm, they'll ask questions, and I forget. And I'm like, I don't want to forget these things. These were hard lessons I learned, you know, raising children. And so it is so good to have that perspective, that person who's bringing you back to what was going on in your life earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think just as we, 
you know, that, that vision of masculinity and knowing that, um, you know, working definition for me of, of masculinity is I, I am most like a man when I take initiative for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. And so there is this, uh, there is a strength in my masculinity there and yet it's to pour out for the flourishing and the the betterment of others and i think that's important to teach our young men um and to to see that modeled in other uh other men as well is a very important thing i'm hearing just through um these stories that just that intentionality that you had as a dad. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, people would ask the question, I mean, would you really take, you know, the, the innocent mind of a young child and really try to shape them and mold them into, you know, the image of something that you want them to be. And I'm like, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, because if I don't, somebody's going to, right. So, I mean, being really intentional about your relationship with them and your availability to them and, what what they get to see in you mm-hmm. i mean good things and bad things and all the stuff that's in between i mean <laughs> i was with my college age son playing golf uh, one day and uh, i i in in true golf form of pepper pratt uh shanked it pretty bad and hooked it and hit a car that was going down the bypass <laughs> and every part of me wanted to go hide but uh, i saw the car hit the brake lights and I'm standing there with my son and I'm like, okay, I got to face the music here. You know, mm-hmm. even the stupid things that I do sometimes they, mm-hmm. there's opportunities to teach and to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an important, you, you mentioned also just being able to present ourselves to our kids. Um, I think that's an important principle of just letting them see not only the, the good, but also letting them see the struggle, letting appropriately, but also letting them in to know. And I think that's particularly important for fathers and for sons. I think about, you know, if, if, uh, if I would have had that relationship with my dad and I had a wonderful dad, but that just wasn't his strength and to be able to, to know, you know, gosh, give permission to, um, these are things that, that men experience and, and to have insight into that as a young man would have been really powerful. Yeah. And I, you know, for anybody that's sitting there thinking, well, you know, I've got sons and that time has passed. I mean, well, it hasn't really. I mean, as long as you, you're still alive and they're still alive, then there's opportunities. And I probably have as much influence as, as a parent with adult children now as I, I ever have. And you know, there's some ways that we are intentional about going and doing that. And they, they want to have that influence and want to offer that influence to me too. So uh, so it's never really too late uh, for that to begin, even if, you know, for whatever reason, you weren't as available when they were younger. Uh, it's never too late to start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tori, do you have any thoughts? I, I, that's an interesting um, thought because I was thinking, I feel like we're almost, we are earning this trust as their children. And we have the the opportunity to pour in and pour in and pour in. And then when they are adults, we get to kind of reap the benefits of that. Then they're we're not pouring in without their permission as much. Right. But if we have really spent the time earlier in their life, then they're coming to us as adult children, as adult children saying, I know what you have offered and given me, and I want more of that. Just a real, uh, uh, just a really neat place. I'm not there yet, um, but that's kind of where we're transitioning. My son is 18, and um, 
I feel like, okay, if I have done everything I can, then hopefully this is a relationship where he knows I'm safe and he can come to me. I have given him him wisdom and and all those things, and he'll just continue as an adult to come to me for that. Yeah, and I think there are some adult kids that are going to be adult children that are going to say, you know, I mean, that that sounds, I know you want to maybe pull in closer, but let's just kind of get a baseline and see where everybody is right now Mm -hmm. and see where, you know, where our relationship is and and go from there. And I think that's fine. Right. And surrounding myself with the people who are a little bit ahead of me, keep telling me that this adult child thing is not easy. No easier than anything else I've been through so far. So I'm like, Oh boy, when does it get easy? Pepper? Parenting doesn't end (laughs) at all. I mean, it just doesn't end. Just changes. Mm -hmm. It just changes. Mm -hmm. So Pepper, how did you stay connected to your sons during those teen years when it would have been easy to, um, you know, dad's not cool or to, to not have an inroad into their life. It seemed like, you know, your sons, there was always this, maybe not always, but there was a continual bond of enjoyment of one another. I, I really, at observing your life and your sons and the relationship, how, how did you foster that in that time and season when it would have been easy to say, I want to disengage from mom and dad? Mm-hmm. I, I just pressed down on the gas. Yeah. I mean, I just pulled in closer. I, I didn't have much of a model with my, uh, with my dad cause I was young when he died and I didn't, I mean, he was a good model while, while I had him, but didn't certainly didn't in the next nine years, but I had an uncle and he had three boys and, um, they, we all lived on a family farm together. And I, I feel like in many ways I was his fourth son at times. And, uh, he was a very busy uh, executive, I mean, did a lot of, a lot of work. I mean, but his, his motto in life was just work hard, play hard. And the thing that I, I saw him do that I've, I've tried to emulate was, um, I mean, anytime there, he had available time, he created some epic adventures with his boys to the point that if there was anything going on with their friends or anything going on with school, there was never any competition, right? They always wanted to do that instead. And I tried to do that with my boys. And I think for the, for the most part, we were able to do that. And we were busy. I mean, we did school and soccer and sports and work and all of the stuff, but there were, there were times that we were also able to be really intentional about just pulling away and having, having some epic adventure. And if that was, Camping, that was fine. If that was going into a movie, whatever it might might have been, they they tended to want to do that more than they wanted to do anything else with anybody else. So I I tried to uh, to shock and awe the competition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a great plan. Yeah, a great plan. And I think it reminds me of um, John Eldridge, Wild at Heart, mm-hmm. and just that idea that boys were made for adventure. That's how God made them. God made them wild at heart. And so I think that is how you would captivate a boy is to create adventure for him mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and to know that that deep down i think every son longs to experience the uh love and and being seen and known by their father mm-hmm. um one of my favorite scenes um recent movie the avatar 2 i don't know if you've seen the avatar the way of the water but um very quickly uh, the main character is a military guy and jake sully he's the kind of alpha male he's got uh, a family he's got two sons and uh, one of his sons the older son is the compliant kind of apple of his eye um, does everything right listens to dad always the younger son is the 
more rebellious, uh, wilder, going to go off and do the things his dad tells him not to do. And so throughout the movie, there's the tension in the older son and the younger son and their relationship with dad. And through the course of the movie, through circumstances, actually the younger son ends up saving uh, the, the dad from peril. Yeah. And so it's in that moment that the dad looks at his son and he says, I see you. You know, and it's a powerful moment that yeah. he, he he looks at his son. He says, I see you yeah. and you have, he didn't say this, but it was in essence, you have what it takes. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that men walk around as a result of life in a fallen world and broken masculinity, asking the question, do I have what it takes? Yeah. And the dad has the power to be able to see and say, yes, you do. And I see you, son. And how many people wind up in our counseling offices because they weren't seen by their father or That's their right. mother? That's right. And it's both boys and girls. You know, mm-hmm. they, they experience that. And and the you know do you have do I have what it takes? That's a good John Eldridgeism mm-hmm. that that comes out of the part of that comes out of Wild at Heart. Uh, and I would encourage anybody to read that. Uh, there is another book that really impacted me early on, and it's less known than maybe Wild at Heart. But there was an old book. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw it, but it was uh, John Trent and Gary Smalley wrote The Gift of the Blessing. Yes. Right? And they kind of trace the idea of the blessing back to the Bible and how that how that evolved. But it was the ultimate expression of a father that you have what it takes. Because what would happen, and, and this is still very you know, uh, ceremonial in bar mitzvahs and that kind of thing now, uh, but it was... Uh, Practically, the way that it worked was that you raised your boys up uh, in the family agricultural business that you had uh, with the idea that they would take over that business. And um, at some point, the blessing that you gave them was pretty much the rights to all of the family business, but with the anticipation that they would care for you in in your older age, right? So there was, uh, you were betting the farm on it, literally. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally betting the farm on that you had, you had done all the things as a father that you needed to do to train your kids to be responsible human beings and take care of their parents uh, as they aged. And if you had done your job well, then you would be well taken care of. But there's nothing that would say you have what it takes even more, any more than, you know, just giving them the gift of the blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that book. It was so powerful. Of It really is that I see you. And, and there's that longing and the yearning in the heart of every young man uh, for those blessings. And I think you're right in that way of there's damage that's done when men don't experience that, when men aren't seen, or maybe they um, will substitute, um, I'll be seen when I, you know, be successful in business, or I'll be seen when I perform in sports or, or whatever. And, and some of that can be uh detrimental, uh, in that way. And, and the difficulties of that. And so just the power that dads have in the lives of their sons. So Pepper, what would you say to a dad that just says, I'm just not very good with, you know, you're a therapist. I mean, you know, this comes, you could do this, you could do the backstroke of being able to engage and see your sons and attune to them and connect with them. I, I just am not good at that. What would you say to a dad who was sitting right in front of you that just said, yeah, I love my son, but I, I just, I don't do emotions. I just say, be you and show up in their world, mm-hmm. whatever their world is. Yeah. 
I mean, there's not everything that my, my kids enjoyed or liked that, you know, was they were taking after their pop. I mean, both of them, I mean, I, I was a football guy, baseball guy, played golf in high school. I mean, that was my, those were my passions. I fished and hunted and, you know, that kind of, I was, I was a little, little redneck from Chester County, man. I loved it. <laughs> and I mean, I did that kind of stuff and man, my, my kids gravitated towards soccer. I'd never owned a soccer ball. I mean, before becoming a dad and I, I learned a lot about soccer, you know, and I was a little bit musical, but not nearly as musical as my oldest son. And I learned a whole lot more about music. So, I mean, whatever it is that they're, they have an interest in, I mean, you offer guidance, certainly. Uh, I mean, I don't think juggling chainsaws is something I want my 12 year old doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, you know, you, you pull into their world and you offer what you have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think every guy has their own way of being able to offer something. Yeah. And I, and I think just the understanding that, um, what you're saying that even, even though, and that led me really to my next question of just, what if a dad just says, I, I'm different than my son, my son doesn't have the same interests. And I think the importance of, well, enter their world, Mm -hmm. understand what, what are the things that they like? Mm -hmm. I think that is so important versus you come to me. Um, you know, your kids may not like the things that you like, but being able to become a student and engage, I think that's a very important thing to say, what are the, how do I enter my child's world? Mm-hmm. How do I get to know them? Mm-hmm. How do I engage with them? Yeah. And it, it takes moving outside of your own comfort zone. Yeah. And, and that's the, and I'd say that to be true in marriage too. I mean, I think if, if all we do is sit around and wait on people to come into our world, then, you know, we're, we're being a little self-absorbed, mm-hmm. you know, with that. And when you look at Philippians two and you look at what Jesus did, I mean, he left what was his comfort zone in, 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 in his relationship with the father to come and be obedient, even to the point of death uh, on the cross to be in our world. That's what the incarnation is. And when you actually look at that passage, it says, have the mind of Christ. But in your relationships, have the mind of Christ. In in your relationships, be willing to be sacrificial. Get outside of your world. Go into the world of other people so that you're incarnational in their life. And that's, I think so. that's what it takes in our closest relationships. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Tori, what are you thinking? I, I really, we all, every age of person, we want to be seen and known. That's what we all desire. And I think sometimes we forget that about children, that, they all want to just be seen and known. Um, so that's just such an important reminder to me to engage wherever I can. And is it going to be fun for me? No. Do I enjoy the music my children are listening to? No. But have we had some good conversations about lyrics and what they mean and why they're resonating? I mean, those are all um, important things. I don't want us to run out of time before we discuss what a mom's role is in this. I mean, dads have such an incredible responsibility and opportunity, but where do moms fit? What is different? We can't teach them to be a man, um, but what are we teaching them? I I think mom kind of has a similar responsibility, be yourself and show up in their world Mm -hmm. and, and understand some of the developmental milestones that are there. I mean, there's, uh, we learn the most about gender at two pivotal points. Okay. Uh, it, one is kind of 18 to 24 months of age. And then the other is around puberty age. Mm-hmm. And in both of those 
cases, there is a, a need for that child to identify with the same sex parent, right? Which means that there's necessarily a little bit of a pulling away. Mm-hmm. And it's less noticeable at 18 to 24 months of age, but it's more noticeable at around puberty that there's a little bit of that pulling away. Guys get a little too cool for school and too cool for mom and, and that kind of thing. I can remember uh, when mine was about that age, we took them and dropped them off at school. And there was a little bit of a, everybody could kind of see you at the top of the hill when you were in carpool line. And uh, he, he, he had always kind of given his mom a kiss before he would get out of the car. And, uh, and he, he got to a place where he refused to do that. Right. So as his dad, I said, no, you're going to do that. (laughs) Or she's going to get out and kiss you in front of everybody instead of, uh, inside the car. That's, that's the way it's going to work. Kiss the hand that feeds you. That's right. Just don't, don't be surprised when, you know, boys may want to pull away and have more identity with that, that male. uh, I remember that moment when that happened with my son. And I remember it, remember it being earlier than I thought it would be and thinking, I thought I had more time. I thought I was going to be, you know, it for longer than this. Um, The sweetness of it was though, it was a period of time. It was not forever. He come, he came back and, you know, he's mama's boy again. And don't anybody tell him I said that. Um, So that was, it, that is good information to know for a mom of young boys. Like this is coming, but it will not last forever. And and moms can move a little outside of their comfort zone too. Absolutely. Right? And they can still join in the adventure some as well. Right. I mean, my wife doesn't camp. Okay. She's, that's not something she really wants to do is if, and I mean, if it's a bed in a cabin and then yes, it's <laughs> camping. Okay. But with each of my boys, one of the rites of passage that she had with, with each of them when they turned 12 she took them Okoe whitewater rafting, uh, just her and them, and uh, took them on on the three hour rafting trip or whatever it was, awesome. and uh, they they both really looked forward to that, and that mm-hmm. was just uh, some, and that's in, that's she would do that every weekend if we'd let her. I mean, she she loves doing that kind of that's stuff. Awesome. Well, there's that or skiing, and she couldn't ski very well, but you know, she was <laughs> kind of like a bowling ball coming down the slope. Just if there was a crowd, she she could ski. She just couldn't stop. And she would just oh. kind of just crash. I know those are great memories for yeah. your boys to have yeah. that. Can we go back real quick? I kind of polled my Facebook friends about mm. what are your big questions for gotcha. parenting boys. Um, almost every mom responded. Can, can somebody explain puberty to me, please? Girls get, you know, girls get all the uh, attention for hormonal changes in puberty. And I think sometimes moms of boys are surprised when there's a lot of hormonal change. There's a lot of emotional change. Um, kind of what that looks like. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the chemical part of it, I mean, there's a big testosterone dump and that, uh, that's going to show up in ancillary hair and growth and all that kind of thing, changing in the voice. And I mean, we know a lot of that, but a lot of times, especially I, I don't see nearly as many kids as I used to, but you know, I, I often have, parents to bring in, you know, a seventh or eighth grade boy and just say, okay, you got to fix him. I don't know what we've got, you know, but he's, you know, he's hit his sister and he's getting in trouble at school and all that kind of thing. And, and a lot of times aggression can sometimes even be a part of that. And that just has to be channeled. It's, it's not necessarily good or bad that he's having aggression, but it just has to be channeled in some kind of way. And sometimes guys are, are more inward with that. So they just get real, you know, moody and, and gloomy and they don't know why. Right? Mm. And I think just being in tune with that and, and, and absolutely not being afraid 
to, to pull in and to build a relationship during that time. Sometimes parents think, Ooh, I'm going to stay away and kind of let them work through this and they'll let me know when they're done. And that's not a good idea. Okay. Right. But pulling in, not hovering, but pulling in and, and just being in tune and keeping the lines of communication open. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Pepper, one of the final questions, cause I know <clears throat> we're on a tight schedule today, but just piggybacking on that. Uh, I had, you know, conversations with several moms and just anticipating this and what's the difference. The question is this from a mother's perspective, when uh, young men are moving into adolescence, I don't want to be the hovering. I don't want to be the nagging mom, but how do I still enter into my son's world Maybe even there's areas that I wish he would do things differently. I'm disappointed in certain choices. I don't want to be the overbearing, overmothering. So from from a mom's perspective, how do I still enter in and not be overbearing? I think when when you're able to keep those lines of communication open, I think at different points in adolescence, a mom can actually say what you just said and just say, I don't want to be overbearing hovering mom yet I'm a little confused by some of the choices that you're making. So I think, I think maintaining an attitude of curiosity instead of judgment is, is what keeps those lines of communication open. And I think even a boy, okay, is, is going to be somebody that's willing to uh, at least respond to the curiosity. And, but I think when it comes down to having an attitude of judgment in my way or the highway kind of thing, uh, that's often where he feels pushed away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we've had a lot of conversations in our house where, where I tell my son, I mean, even recently, um, maybe I got a little too, got a little overly involved <laughs> and having to go back and say, hey, I'm learning too. I've never raised an 18 year old boy. And so if I stepped over the line here, you know, I'm sorry about that. How could I have done it better? Um, how would you have preferred? you know, us to communicate about that. And so that's been really good for us. Also, I had a super wise mom who um, was years ahead of me who said, you're going to get your best conversations at night in the dark. And so we have a lot of conversations once I'm in the bed and somebody might come into my room in the dark and say, hey, I forgot to tell you about today this happened. And it's like, okay, this is when we're talking. It's There's something about the anonymity of the dark in the late night when mom's half asleep, apparently. She probably has less words to say at that moment. But I've learned less, fewer words are usually better, too. Like, I'm just going to speak my piece here, and then I'm going to let you let you ponder on that for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I think probably one of my, one of my favorite stories from the youngest one is my oldest one, was, he was three years older, and he, he was a freshman in college when my youngest was a sophomore in high school. And that was around the time that he started having some interest in boys. And it was a time that he and I really got to bond without the oldest one in the house and have a lot more conversation. My wife usually went to bed at 9 o'clock. And we had a, in our living room, we had this really big, like, one-and-a-half-size chair, you know, just chair-and-a-half kind of thing. And, and Karen and I would usually sit in that chair and watch TV. And no longer, I mean, that seat had not gotten cold before my youngest one would be right there. 
and he had had some girl trouble and he had confided in his older brother about the girl, the girl trouble and got some pretty bad advice. They, <laughs> they both deny that it was bad advice now, but I think it was. And, uh, and I, I actually had the opportunity to look at him and, and tell him the truth. And the truth was, uh, I, I had just finished my doctoral dissertation and my doctoral dissertation was on dating attitudes of juniors and seniors in high school. And it was a case study on the very school that he was going to. And I had to look at him and say, look, son, let me tell you this. There is no one in the world that has more expertise on the dating attitudes of juniors and seniors in high school than at your school than me. And that's the only thing I'm ever really going to know. But that's one thing that I know. And that set the stage for us to have a lot of really rich conversation. And it was more me listening than me telling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, there's a, a lot that we could uh, continue to talk about, and uh, we're on a on, on a time frame. You've got to get back to the office, and yeah. and uh, we've got to move forward with the day. But maybe um, next week we invite our sons. Let Will interview them about how how good of a job we're doing uh, parenting. It's a great idea. <laughs> no, yes. it's not. No, yes. it's not. That was yeah. a joke. Yes. <laughs> your sons or my sons? Your sons. Oh, my well, sons. Okay. I'll, your sons. I'll let mine after I give them a good prep. Yeah. My sons would absolutely be down to that. I think that's interesting. Isn't that the goal at the end of all this, that they have more good to say than bad, right? But and, and the I, bad that they can recount it and say, but this is how yeah. we and used I, I it. Think, I think the, that's been a blessing of my life because I've, and especially when boys marry, that's the ultimate evaluation of your raising, uh, just kind of hearing how their wives experienced them and did I... Did I raise knuckle dragging Neanderthals or did I <laughs> did I raise guys that are kind and, and listen to their wives? So may want to interview their wives. That may be even better. But <laughs> but it's, it's been a blessing of my life hearing them talk amongst themselves about their childhood and being braced for those idiot things that I know that I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, But not really hearing as much about those mm-hmm. and hearing about some good things mm-hmm. and. You know, so yeah. Yeah. If we could summarize just the idea of um, young men uh, need uh, masculinity bestowed upon them, there needs to be those intentional uh, moments and ceremony and events. Um, there also needs to be a plurality of other men who are speaking in their lives who are having a positive influence. But mom and dad both need to be present. Um, they need to open up their world. They need to enter into the world of their sons and not be afraid of that and press into that even when things get awkward. And also to know that we are all in process, that there is no expert. And so as we continue to know with curiosity uh, and engage our kids in that way, it really is the the, the foundation of relationship. And, and I want to see... Um, you know, that relationship continue to flourish and I want to spend time and be present. And there's such power to that. And that, that doesn't require a lot of complexity, just being able to show up and be present and engage, uh, the world of, of sons. Uh, that's an important thing. Well, Pepper, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We, uh, great conversation. And this is going to be helpful for so many people. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for joining us today on the Storyform podcast. For more information about Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, you can visit us at fellowshipjackson.com. Join us next time as we enter into the story of others together.